All right. Well, welcome to another episode of our IAA podcast. This is Kevin Dagger, your co-host and current president of IAA. And I have with me my co-host, who is the former president of IAA, Juan Olivacci. Hey, guys. What's going on again? And on today's episode, we're going to discuss term one. We have with us some special guests who I will let introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Haley Hyun, and I am currently term two, and I'm from New Jersey. And my name is Drew. I'm also term two and coincidentally from New Jersey. And Haley and I live 20 minutes from each other, but didn't know that till we got here. <laughs> hey, I'm Nick. I'm also a term two and I'm from Florida. And I'm glad I'm not from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hi, my name is Michael Yasa. Uh, I'm in term two, and I am from Toronto, Canada. So I'm from the up north, and I'm glad to be here where the weather's nice. Oh, got some international representation. That's awesome. It's almost like almost everybody that we've we've spoken with so far on the podcast has the majority has been from New Jersey. New Jersey represents pretty hard. Oh yeah, it does. Bit <laughs> of America. Well, welcome, guys. Thank you for for joining us today on this episode. Uh, you know, we we really definitely want to give a platform for any students who are coming into SGU for the first time starting term one. Uh, my experience with term one was a little different. Uh, during MS1, I was online and you guys have the fortunate opportunity to be there on campus. So the, I guess the first question I want to ask is, you know, why SGU? What made you come to SGU Medical School? You actually cut out for a second. Can you just repeat the question? Yeah, uh, I was asking, um, you know, my experience at term one at SGU was a little different. My For MS1, I was online. I did everything through Zoom. And you guys have the fortunate opportunity to be on campus. So I didn't really get to experience the, I guess, welcoming vibe of coming to SGU for the first time and you know, transitioning from college or from your master's degree onto campus and doing medical school in Grenada. So I just wanted to ask, you know, what what made you guys come to SGU? What was, uh, I guess, yeah, what was your inspiration to come to SGU? For me, I wanted to start medical school right away because once I knew that I wanted, I was 100% locked into medical school. I didn't necessarily wanted to wait during the application process. So when I applied to the U.S. schools and SGU at the same time, I found out that I could start within two months. So it was a good choice for me at the time. And now, still a great choice. Nice. Um, What was like the... Were you afraid to come to the island to start medical school? You know, what was that transition like? I was nervous because I've never lived outside of New Jersey. So this was a big change for me. But honestly, I think the success of my first term had to do with being removed from home because you are in this isolated, but not because you have people around you going through the same exact thing, but you are removed from society. So there is less distractions, which helped a lot during school. And I assumed you dormed, right? Yes, I dormed. Okay. Yeah, I didn't come to I didn't come to the island until I started term three, right after MS1 was over when uh, they wanted all of us to transition back. So 
doing MS1, at least term one online, was a little bit different because I, like you mentioned, I had to kind of isolate myself from society a little bit and focus on, uh, I guess, just being a medical student because the challenges that I found was, so as soon as I was done with college, I got my master's degree. And right after my master's degree, I started medical school. I didn't really have a gap year. And I guess transitioning from being a graduate student to a medical student was a bit challenging because I was kind of on my own. Um, being online, I got my hands on a bunch of group chats, but it wasn't the same where you're interacting with students in person. So um, I definitely want to hear how your experience was. When, as soon as you got to the island, you started term one. And as you know, we have lecture every single day. You have small groups. You're getting overwhelmed with uh, all these resources that are coming at you with Google Drive accounts and you know, review content, practice questions and stuff. So how was the in-person experience for you as soon as you started term one? Was it easy for you to get around? You know, was it, did you have any challenges finding your groove in uh, being a medical student? I, uh, I was a non-traditional student in all aspects of the definition. So for me coming back, I actually had a, I think a rougher transition because I hadn't been necessarily in school full-time. Um, and I think a key part of the success that I had was, you know, taking it day by day and boiling everything down. Because like you said, there is a lot of uh, exposure to different activities, there's different resources. And I think it's important to just, you know, boil it down to the day or even the hour, depending, you know, depending on it is what you're working on and kind of like keeping that, you know, smaller mindset. Because if you just look at everything by the module or the semester, it gets very overwhelming very fast. I think the one thing that I credit SGU for really well is that we had that orientation and there was a specific one that I remember where we were, I mean, it was online, but we were all on this call with upper termers, like terms four and five. And they literally, you know, there's no admin, there's it's just us and students and they give you all the keys to success from day one. Uh, I remember very vividly actually having someone tell you, well, tell me, um, use Anki, right? And I'm like, oh, what's Anki? Like, what's this? What's that? And you go back to our other episodes and you ask Kevin or anyone that I know, Anki's like my bread and butter. Like Anki's been, you know, my day one tool and I learned it all from orientation. So you guys get thrown a lot of information, but some of that is like so valuable become, uh, because they come from a student perspective. I'm not yeah, sure I agree with you on experiences. Yeah, I'd like to add in actually, um, I, I'm based off that point, like to add on that point, um, I think the biggest thing was it was uh, pretty overwhelming with all the like resources that everyone keeps talking about and all the resources that everyone says that are available. Um, but you start to notice that like every single day, it just becomes a little more clear. So I think the thing that I would tell anyone um, just coming in is just take it day by day and it's, you'll start to see like you'll start to recognize all the resources like Anki. It was new to me at first, but then when like three or four people told me to use it, then it became a lot more familiar and I heard it from different people. So then it just, I feel like, yeah, just take it like every single day as it is and don't look at like too much of the bigger picture because then you'll just stress yourself out over a bigger picture. Whereas you just need to conquer that day and worry about the next one when it comes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And to add to that, uh, when I started term one, the first module, FTM, I got completely destroyed. And I'll be honest, I think I scored like mid-70s on my first FTM exams. And I think 
a component to that was not that I wasn't studying. I was definitely putting in the hours. I just think that I couldn't find my platform or my, my home base of what I need to use to actually start studying. Um, I remember, you know, these group chats, they were like, Oh, here are these books. Here's first aid. Here's Amboss. Here's sketchy. Here's Pixoma. Here's Pathoma. Here's all these resources. Here are all these Google drive accounts with review packets and practice questions and all this extra stuff. And, I always thought that more was good and I was doing kind of like what everybody else was doing. And I remember uh, people were talking about Anki, 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 medical school, Anki. Like it, it's, it's almost synonymous, those two words, because how much people talk about it. So I downloaded the Anki de- uh, app on my phone and on my desktop and I downloaded the Anki deck and I started using it. And I was just getting overwhelmed. I was like, dude, I was waking up. There was like 600 flashcards in my queue. And I'm like, well, if everybody else is doing it, then I should also do it because this is how people pass medical school. So then after my second FTM exam was when I said, okay, you know what? Something has to change. Uh, I started doing a lot of self-evaluation. And um, for me, being online was a bit challenging because, you know, being in person, I could have already imagined that I could have walked around and had those like one-on-one interactions with students and just said, hey, how are you studying? And the thing about me, and I'm sure that a lot of you are, are, are the same, is that when you get knocked down, you're going to look for answers on how to get better. Like if you see that someone around you is doing much better, you know, um, rather than like shying away and gossiping about them, you go up to them and say, hey, you know, I found out you got an A on your exam. You know, how are you studying? What are you doing? Do you have any tips? You know, and that's how all of us get by through medical school. So I didn't have that experience. And I, and you know, that's why I think being on campus is very crucial, especially during term one, because you get to walk around and have those meaningful, authentic relationships with students. And you get to ask those questions like, hey, how are you studying? What are you doing? And I'm still doing that to this day. You know, like I just started term five. And even though I found my niche and I discovered what works for me, I'm still walking around asking other students, you know, like, hey, what's your approach? Are you doing anything different? Just to see if there's anything else that I can tweak in my routine. Um, so after FTM and I started MSK, I discovered this app. It's called Remno. And I, I honestly think that me and a few other people are the only ones who use it. And Remno is like Notion and Anki had a baby. You can literally type out your own notes and you can make your own flashcards. So you're in control of how you study. And I discovered that during MSK. And after MSK, every exam that I took up to this point has just been exactly what I wanted. And that's just that's just been my experience with it. And um, of course, there's a learning curve. What works for me is not going to work for others and vice versa. Uh, so there's, I, I remember on the last episode that Quinn and I did for with term five students, you know, one of our friends, he didn't start using first aid till term five. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he started, he didn't start using a notebook <laughs> till term five. Oh, yeah. You know? It gets worse so, and worse the more you talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's definitely students, there's a lot of like peculiarities with how, uh, students start to use resources and, you know, you find out, oh, this person does sketchy all the time. And you think that that might be your answer to it, but it might not be, you know? So in my experience, term one has always been like a trial and error term. You know, I was in AUP and my AUP facilitator, Megan, she was wonderful. She was like, listen, don't worry about your FTM scores. Like that's going to be your, uh, your testing ground, whether what you're doing and your approach is sufficient enough. And if you haven't figured it out after MSK, um, you may be in a little bit of trouble and you're going to have to go around and ask, ask questions on like, you know, how to, how to change your approach. Um, and, you know, so for me, MSK, I had to pressure on where, okay, I got to really figure out what works for me. And, you know, I had to kind of like go on YouTube and see what other people are doing and studying. And it, it kind of gets saturated when there's a lot of 
I guess, medical influencers, if that's what you want to call them, who talk about their day in the life and how they're studying. And it's like, okay, I don't need to know how you shop at a grocery store. I don't need to know uh, how you get to the library. I need to know what you're doing to study because those are the answers I want, you know, to figure out. Um, so in your experience, now that you've finished term one and you're going into term two, um, did you guys have that similar experience during term one where, you know, you're kind of like ironing out all the details in your studying routine? You know, what is your study routine like? Um, did you think you figured it out? Have you figured it out yet? You know, is it working for you? Cause, uh, term one can be kind of a wake up call to a lot of students where they look at their schedule and they have two lectures Monday through Friday. And then on top of that, they have small groups and you're, you're drowning in DLAs, you're drowning in lecture material and you're trying to stay on top of everything. Meanwhile, you're also on campus and you're trying to socialize and be friendly and make a lot of friends. So do you guys think that, you know, in term one, you found your study routine or are you still kind of like ironing out those details as you're starting term two? I don't want to answer for Haley, but I know she's a whiteboard queen. <laughs> I've walked into Taylor some days and I see the most elaborate whiteboards. So, I mean, hey, if you need a whiteboarding guru, you uh, here's your plug right here. Thanks. <laughs> but I also went into term one thinking that it was going to be a trial and error with study tips. I mean, study routines. But for me, it really, I just got lucky because I just started with things that were comfortable for me, the whiteboarding. And I was a huge Anki person studying for the MCAT also. So it was really familiar. So I just started with what the things that I did know and had experiences using while studying and I just lucked out that everything worked for me for FTM and as soon as I took the first test and I was happy with my score I just kept on whiteboarding and onkying and the only thing that I added on differently was more post and pre-lecture things um, from the beginning but I really went in with an open mindset if this wasn't going to work out then I would have to try something different. I actually, I, I think uh, like I'd like to add, and I loved what you said, Kevin, about uh, the whole concept of experimenting. Um, I Like in hindsight, I think one of the biggest things that helped me out the most was uh, DS was actually hosting a workshop like within the first two weeks or so. And they, I was like, a, it was like a, how to, how to start studying workshop or I don't know what, what it was exactly called. I can't remember, but um, they basically established some ground rules, which was like, um, essentially a number one, make sure you do the practice questions. Um, number two, make sure you're, po you're post reading every single day. Number three, like X, Y, and Z. Um, and one thing they emphasize and something that I've taken with me to this day is like, don't be scared to experiment with like Anki or don't be scared to experiment with all these different resources. Um, and if you do experiment for like two or three days, see if that works, test yourself after and that's literally going to tell you if you can use that resource or not. Um, so I think that was like such a big tip because I was so scared to experiment and like to like uh, start using new things. Whereas I was so used to like studying my own with my own older habits before. Um, but the second I started like picking up new things, like, uh, for example, like I started picking up on Anki, used it for two or three days for the first like for FTM one and two. I wasn't the biggest fan of Anki. So then I saw it, experimented, realized it didn't work. So then I had to move to something else. But then me moving to something else allowed me to like understand where my strengths are 
And then like when I can use Anki in the future, for example, like why or why not I couldn't use Anki um, for those two modules. So I think the biggest tip was like, don't be afraid to experiment. And when you experiment, um, experiment and test yourself over like two or three days and then move on to the next thing. Oh, of course, of course. Because I think one of the biggest uh, fear factors with experimenting is, you know, you, we get so complacent with our routine and our approach that we think that that's it. And that analogy can be taken with everything in life where you're so comfortable with a certain way of doing things or certain aspects of your life that you're not willing to change it. But you might notice that changing one thing in your life might be the answer to figuring out everything else. And there's definitely a time and place for it. You know, like now I have uh, some of my friends and, you know, some of my classmates will approach me and ask me, you know, like how, how do you study or what do you do to get the grades that you get? And I always tell them like, well, if you're going to start experimenting, I would wait till either the beginning of a new block where you have the time to make a change, but definitely don't do it in the middle of a block or towards the end of a block. Yep. Just kind of trust your instincts of what you're doing. So I remember someone coming up to me in the middle of uh, term four, one of our blocks, like right in the middle of one of our blocks. And they were like, yeah, I just dropped everything I was doing and I started doing Anki. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. don't, don't, don't do that. I mean, mm -hmm. I know that, I know that people find success in doing that, but like, if you're going to do that, do that at the beginning of a, of a block. Don't, don't do it in the middle of a block or towards the end of a block. Cause you might end up shooting yourself in the foot with your routine. And the nice thing about experimenting too, is that you get to, I, I agree with what you said about giving it like two or three days. Cause if you're starting something new, so for example, for me, uh, when I was in graduate school, I like to just look at the lectures and just kind of like annotate on the lectures and just do like a couple of passes on it. And it worked for me in graduate school, but it didn't work for me in FTM. So it, I started noticing that like, once I started typing out my notes and looking over it and making flashcards out of my notes, every time I did my flashcards, I was getting an additional passes on my notes. And then every time I would do the flashcard, I'll be like, oh wait, there's a connection to this. I remember, and that's a, the nice thing about SGU is that although we do get a lot of lectures, all these lectures, one way or another connect, they're telling us a story. It's just in pieces. And it's our responsibility to take the story and put it together. Um, and my approach, and it can be in any different approach, but in my particular approach, I'm a, it gives me the opportunity to make that connection and retell that story every single day to the point where I'm comfortable with it and I can have a discussion with it. And fortunately, I discovered that when, like during MSK, but uh, the reason why we decided to do an episode like this is because this is information that I would want students to hear right off the bat and not wait till it's too late, you know, like. I would hate to see students starting term two, starting term three, or even term four, still not being able to figure out their approach and what they should do to study. And then right after term five, you got to start studying for step one, like Quinn is, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest stressors in medical school is it's so overwhelming with how many people talk about how they study and what they do and all this information, but you still got to figure out what works for you. On that same aspect of resources, I want to ask you guys, um, when did you start or have you started using first aid? Because I remember when I was in term one, you know, first aid was such a intimidating resource because you're new to this aspect of, of medicine, right? The basic sciences in medical school, I'd argue, was very different from the basic sciences that I learned in my undergraduate years. So opening up a first aid book and, and seeing terms I didn't know, concepts I didn't know. Um, as a term one or MS1 medical student was was pretty scary. So I wonder if you guys had some experiences or 
if you love first aid, if you use boards and beyond or any outside resources like RX that work with first aid. So uh, yeah, what, what are you guys experienced with that? Hey, um, I've used first aid just to supplement for um, things that are poorly taught in lecture or things that weren't explained upon much or things that are just generally confusing and I needed um, or needed to know what was gonna be you know, tested on step and to get the correct information and just clarification. Haley has some more information on it. She uses it more than I do, but I have used boards and beyond as well um, for their videos, so they're, they're helpful. Once you get closer to the like standardized prep and definitely in term five, so I guess there's a little nugget of wisdom for you, Kevin, but boards and beyond is like godsend. However, he organizes the material and he just knows exactly what to say because whatever he says is the stuff we get tested on. So, uh, yeah, if I ever had to recommend an outside resource, boards and beyond. Yeah, I actually I'm just of course. I'm got a subscription to it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a subscription. Yeah, because, like, you know, now that um, – and if you guys have any questions about Term 5 or any other term for that matter, you guys are free to ask. But, yeah, no, and now that we're starting Term 5, uh, after this module, I – already subscribed to boards and beyond and that's the thing like during ms1 first aid really is really helpful and i'm sure you guys have found it extremely helpful but the one the one trap that i fell into was going through the lecture material and then saying wow there's a lot of stuff that sg was leaving out that i'm finding in first aid or i'm finding in other in other material and i'm getting overwhelmed going outside of sgu's uh i guess zone of learning that they want you to obtain at that moment and adding more to my plate. And I think that's what hurt me a little bit more in FTM. So uh, everything comes at its own pace. So in term four, I found first aid extremely, extremely helpful, even more helpful during MS1 than in MS1, mainly because in term four, when you start clinical sciences, uh, so in MS1, you're learning all, you're, you're learning a lot of different subjects. You're going through anatomy, physiology, embryology, histology, and then in term four and, and in term five, it's the clinical sciences, you're learning the farm, the micro, and the path. Well, to understand those three subjects, you have to have a backbone of the foundational uh, sciences, like the biochemistries, the anatomy. So for example, like in pathology, when they describe a disease and they describe how the disease will manifest itself, they're going to explain it to you with you already kind of having an understanding of the biochemistry. And that's where first aid comes in very nicely, because you already learned it at some point during MS1. And then when you're going through it again in term four, if you just need a refresher, so I'll give you a perfect example. We started doing pharmacology and we did all like the loop diuretics and all the drugs for the renal system in term four. Now we need to understand the physiology of the renal system, which we learned during MS1. So before you even start memorizing these drugs and how they work and understanding the complexity of these drugs, you have. That's where first aid came in because I can't, I can't afford, I don't even have the time to go back and look at my MS1 lecture material to get a refresher on the physiology or even my notes. Cause you know, my, the progression of how I type my notes out has been improving over a period of time, but it's still overwhelming. So that's in term four is when I really started using first aid. I'm like, okay, I need to, I need a refresher on the physiology of the renal system before I understand the pharmacology. Uh, let me look at first aid and then let me look at a boards and beyond video. Perfect. I got exactly what I needed. I got a refresher. I made a few notes. I made a few flashcards. I'm good. I can move on. Uh, so that's, that's the one thing that I would recommend for any of the term one students and for you guys even moving forward is 
Like if you're going through the SGU lecture material and you notice that there are some gaps in the material that you're finding somewhere else that you think is noteworthy for step one, for sure, for sure, it is noteworthy, but there's a time and place for that material. And SGU is just waiting to introduce it to you. Because now, like now that I finished term four, there's a lot of material where I'll sit there like a nerd and be like, wow, this all makes sense now. Everything is coming <laughs> together. <laughs> but that's because, you know, like I took the time and said, all right, I'm going to trust. I'm going to I'm going to give SGU the driver's seat and I'm going to sit in the passenger seat and whatever you're teaching me, I'm, I'm going to learn it. You know, and like I'll have friends like, oh, yeah, but don't forget that there's also this and there's that. I'm like, yeah, but SGU doesn't want us to know that right now. I'm sure there's a time and place for it. So I'm just going to wait. So when you when you learn like that and you start seeing all these pieces come together, it's like you have a moment of epiphany. Like, oh, wow, great. Everything is making sense now. So definitely don't fall on that trap or like, especially now in term two, you know, when you guys start doing like, like the more like intense systems, uh, like the nervous system and psychiatry and stuff like that, like you're going to notice that there's a lot of content that's left out. But trust me, there's a time and place for it. And for term one, like I made that mistake and I hope that no one else would make that mistake. And, uh, you know, definitely, definitely trust what SGU is teaching because they, they know what they're doing with their curriculum. That's when AMBOSS becomes a very dangerous tool because you can get lost in so many like hyperlinks. And I'm sure you guys experience, or maybe Kevin, if you use AMBOSS more, you know, just the random clicking of, oh, what's this topic? Oh, what's this topic? And then you go from like learning about cardiac tamponade and you end up at, I don't know, PID or something. It's, it's, you know, the biggest wormhole that you can ever get into yourself. Um, but I want to oh, highlight dude. what Kevin said. Oh, yeah, the AMBOSS hole. I, I was actually in it the other day when I was doing some step studying, but that's, I guess, another video for another time, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, I want to, like, super highlight and emphasize what Kevin was saying because my biggest advice for any incoming SGU student, um, no matter how many resources you get thrown, at the end of the day, and I would argue this is probably the most true from terms one through five, at the end of the day, the most important resource is your SGU slides. You know, regardless of its quality, regardless of how um, amazing or not so amazing the lecture may be, you know, those slides, the better you know them, I'd argue the better you do on those exams. And, and that's just how me and my study group approaches uh, terms one through five. And that's what helped us get to where we are. And uh, I, I think the more people tune into the slides, the better their results are. So I really want to emphasize that. Kevin had a great point. I don't want that to go unnoticed at all. All right. So just to add one more point. Um, okay. So FTM kind of felt like it was all over the place with the lecture material because it's it's just foundations to medicine. And then when you guys start term four, you're going to go through a similar module where it's going to be called foundations to clinical medicine. And you're going to see a lot of the same material, but it's going to be buffed up a bit with a lot more content that they need you to know, which just sets the foundation for the next modules that you're going to cover. So FTM just kind of fell all over the place with like the genetics and the biochemistry. Uh, it wasn't until MSK where things seemed to seem a little bit more organized with the anatomy and the physiology. Uh, and then from there, it just it stays the same, where after MSK, you went to CPR, the, the cardio and the palm and the renal. And in term two, it, it, it all follows the same, I guess, organization. Uh, so did you guys, you know, what was your experience like through the modules? You know, like definitely an, FT, an FTM. I think I remember in my cohort, there was a lot of students who dropped out 
the first module and I kept telling myself like, just wait, just wait. It, it might be better at towards the end. Just, just, just give it a chance. Uh, did you, did you guys see that? Like, I guess get that rude awakening in the beginning of FTM. Did you guys feel like you were disorganized with your approach and studying? I think, uh, I can add on that. I thought FTM one and two were pretty much like just a bunch of information just thrown at us. Um, it's, I think that's like the best way I was able to describe it back in the day. Um, but you're right. MSK was so much more organized and I was worried about MSK, uh, because everyone was saying you might have to switch the way you study for MSK or MSK is, is a different block. It's a different way of studying, um, from FTM. Uh, so then I was already trying to worry about, uh, what I'm going to implement in MSK. And I was worried about it being uh, less organized or like even the same as FTM one or two, but it was more organized. And I liked how like the first two weeks was all like the anatomy, the the core anatomy, like the, the bones and the muscles. And then after that, it was like, um, specific topics like about vitamin D and so forth and specific topics. Um, so I think it was, it was a lot more organized after MSK, um, FTM one and two, you kind of just have to, uh, absorb it all. Uh, but you like, don't be too, too scared when something comes when something hits you out of the blue, that's just, that's just FTM one and two. It's just, it's all foundational stuff, I guess, that they wanted to make sure they nail in before hitting all the other modules. Yeah, and they're going to say that to you literally in every term uh, that how you study is going to change. They said they said that to me um, right after term two ended and I started term three and then term four, everybody was like, yeah, you're going to have to dramatically change the way you study for term four. And we had an episode on that. And now it's the same thing in term five. Oh, you're going to have to change how you study. It's like, bro, you're always changing how you study. And even in, in a nut trap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, bro, like when 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 can I just stick to what I've been doing? Please. Never. You know? Like <laughs> never. But that's that's just the evolution of being a student. You know, you just never stop learning. You never stop, I guess, changing your it's just an evolution, you know, like you everything that you're like if you keep sticking to what you've been doing, yeah, it's working at the moment, but I I tell my friends all the time, like level up, you know, like you did well on this exam level up you can do better level up level up level up even if you're getting hundreds i'm pretty sure you can still level up just after every exam as soon as you're done with that exam and you get your exam score and you're happy with it don't get complacent just see what else you can do to change you know and it can even be like waking up 30 minutes earlier to start your flashcards a little earlier or go to the gym 30 minutes earlier it can be something so minute like that or going to bed a little earlier or uh you know, reading a little longer, whatever, just do something that's going to evolve your, your approach and your, your mentality in learning. Cause it's only going to benefit you down the road, especially when you go into clinical years, like term four and term five, where the expectations and the bar gets set a little higher with what they want you to know and, and your approach on how you want to know and how they want you to know it. Um, you're, you're, they're going to force you to evolve. Like, um, I used, to, I loved whiteboarding during term three and well, that's cause I was on campus and I had my little whiteboard here at home during MS1, but it wasn't the same. Like on campus, it was, it was, it was awesome. Like being in one of the study halls and that's where I met most of my really good friends, like my core group of friends on campus. Cause we would just go to a whiteboard and we will have these discussions that will put us down a rabbit hole and we'll all grab a marker and we'll start arguing like legit arguing on the whiteboard like no it's this it's that and then we'll start googling and going through first aid and looking for the answers and next thing you know we spent three hours on one content but i can promise you 
if you were to ask us any questions about that content, we know it cold because of those meaningful discussions that we have on a whiteboard. But then for whatever reason, during term four, that failed. <laughs> we stopped using whiteboards because we all just kind of got locked in and started studying on our own. So there's there's an evolution to it and it's always changing. It's, it's dramatically changing. But if I had to tell anybody who's starting term one, you know, find a whiteboard, you might meet some of your best friends on that whiteboard. So we talked a lot about MSK, but how is your reactions to the CPR one and two modules also? Um, I think I'll I'll talk about CPR, but I think um, CPR one was kind of like a shocker. Uh, just I felt like the amount of information that they like they kind of go into was a lot because CPR one I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly it was like around two and a half weeks or so it was like exactly three weeks. Um, so it was um, a lot of information, but it was in so little time. So it was kind of a shocker, but the my interest towards it was probably the highest throughout the whole term. So it was good for me in that sense, because I was the most interested in CPR one out of like, in a, out of all the other uh, modules in the whole term. But was it like really hard? Like, was it scary? Like, I remember a few nights before the exam, I remember thinking, this is the most I feel like I've ever known. But this is also the least I feel like I've ever been ready. <laughs> for an exam. So it was like, it was really weird. And I think those two weeks were like, really weird but you just like i think i learned a lot about myself just from cpr1 just like out of all term one cpr1 taught me so much about myself as a studier right it challenged you you know the the physio component of the you know cardiopulmonary system is probably the most challenging aspect because that's something that they really harp on in term five and then when you get to term five you start to see okay all the stuff i learned in term one and cpr1 that's what it means. Like, oh, like everything's now clicking. So even for someone like uh, myself and some of my friends, those concepts that they throw at you in your first stage of medical school um, doesn't really start to to show up and 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 really shine and and make sense once you're like in your later stages. But I wholeheartedly understand that you know studying and feeling like you know so much for so little, especially those equations. Yeah, that's like the perfect tagline for for CPR one and two. <laughs> Dude, those equations still haunt me to this day. Oh my God, they're a mess. Yeah. Every time I see equations, too. I'm just like, do I need to know these equations? Like, is it going to be on the exam? <laughs> and then I'll do a couple of like board questions on the USMLE RX and they'll ask me an equation question. And I'm just like, damn it, I do need to know it. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the, the best thing and like the, I guess what you can call like, I don't know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel was CPR2 went so much more smoother by the end of it. I, like, at least for me, I felt like the material itself was so much more, uh, like, easier to grasp. And so I think that, like, the light at the end of the tunnel is CPR1 is, like, tough and get ready for it. But don't worry, because CPR2 is, like, such a, it was, for me, a nice way to end off the term. Because that exam, I felt, like, a lot more confident in especially because I was comparing it with CPR1 and then CPR2 hit. And I was like, oh, that was so much better than CPR1. And I got that from a lot of my friends too. Do you think if the modules were flipped, where if you do CPR1 first and then do FTM last, you would have the same experience? I think, I don't know. I That's a, that's a good question. I think uh, FTM1 was good at, like it was good to knock out at the beginning. Um, it was like, I felt like 
you just became more and more of a medical student as you learned, like, like you hit, you hit FTM and then you're just like, okay, I don't really know what that was about, but it's medical school. So we're getting used to it. And then CPR hits like MSK CPR hits. And then you're like, oh yeah, this is what it means to be a medical student. Like we're finally learning about the heart or we're finally learning about like the, the nervous system or the autonomic nervous system, you know, like I think I like the order that I was because FTM, I was like really happy to get that out of the way. But I guess, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, then you're really going to love term four. Trust me. There's, with term four, it's 50-50. And we started an episode to talk about the positive culture in term four. Because as you guys start getting closer to term four, you're going to start hearing a lot of people talking around, talking about how term four is like the hardest term at SGU and like a lot of people fail out. And no, that's, that's not the case. I mean, it may be the case for some students, but the overarching, I guess, culture of term four is that it's positive because that's where you really discover like, wow, I'm doing medicine and this is super cool. And the clinical vignettes, the vignettes start to start to evolve the same way they expect you to evolve as a student. So like in MS1, you know, you read a question and you ignore all the fluff and you just seeing what's the actual question. But in term four, all the fluff that you once ignored now becomes extremely relevant in answering the question that the question writer wrote. So um, it's definitely like an evolution of it. Like I remember in term four, the first exam, a lot of students uh, didn't do too well, but because, and, and like the, I guess the theme as to why they didn't do too well, all came down to the same answer is that they read the question too fast. They skipped a lot of points. And they read the last question. It's like, well, that's the same approach you had during MS1. And that's no, no, no longer the case in MS2. So that realization that you had doing CPR where, wow, you're doing medicine. This is, this, this is awesome. You're learning how the body works. You're learning how the body reacts when it's broken. And you're learning how to fix it. But now we're going to buff it up a little bit more in MS2. And that's when you're really going to enjoy it more. And I think you're going to have that same experience every term. Because now in term five, after this module, um, I start system review where they're gonna we're gonna go through every system that we've ever learned and we're gonna go through all the subjects and it's gonna be like wow I gotta just put everything together now and, and it's it's a great it's a great feeling to have and you know I wish that everybody gets to experience that because that's what's gonna give you that reassurance that you're exactly where you need to be and I think that's why SGU and I'm not just trying to you know boost up their morale on it but I think that's why SGU does a really good job at forming the curriculum the way that they do where they introduce everything to us little by little subject by subject and then they just put it all together and it all comes in really nicely yeah it really paints the beautiful picture when you get all these building blocks and you're like itching for them like the more aspect you know you go through term one and you're like okay you know i understand these concepts but i know there's more right this can't be it and then you go through term four and then definitely in term five where you get the full picture and you end up just saying, well, wow, like I know this whole system from physio to anatomy to pathology to farm. And it was over the course of my term one through five experience. And that realization that you finally get at the other end of your basic sciences is such a beautiful feeling. So I guess the moral of the story, as Kevin said, don't ignore the fluff, right? Those fluff in your vignettes, eventually they do, they do matter. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about some academic support resources that you get in term one. Um, I'm not sure if any of you have done MSAP, um, but if you had experience there, how was that transition? How's the DES life? Are you guys applying to be facilitators, AEP facilitators? So 
Uh, talk about some of the academic support you guys have seen so far in term one. I used AP for term one, and I was so happy with the experience. I like that it was structured and the fact that we met with the same group for just an hour every week, um, opposed to a PLG where you might be with the group of strangers, was super helpful just to consolidate everything that you've learned during the week and also be able to ask questions and get feedback right away. And I also applied to be an AP, AP facilitator just because my experience with it was so, so helpful. And it's That's good also establishing some leadership roles. Yeah, and they'll definitely do a lot of cumulative review and that information will help when you take your uh, BSE at the end of term two. So I want to know from you guys, um, my term one experience was a little different in my cohort because uh, we were very much an online school during the time that I started in January of 21. Um, but there was, you know, in the fine text of our welcome email that you could go to the island and you could, you know, essentially take your classes virtually, but on campus grounds. And uh, I was one of the few students who kind of went to Grenada during term one. And just because I was kind of like what Haley was saying in the beginning, and a lot of us were alluding to that escape, you know, like that escape from distractions, that change of scenery. Um, it's one thing to study medicine in the cubicle, but it's another thing to study medicine in a cubicle that overlooks one of the most beautiful ocean views that you can possibly find, um, definitely that we can get a hold of. So going to the island was special for me, uh, definitely seeing the culture, seeing the different way of life and the different approach to medicine, and all the while, like, you know, going hard and, and really trying to dig, dig into what my academic potential can be on this island. So I enjoyed it. You know, I, I very much account my success to going to Grenada early. Um, but what is your experience with going to Grenada? Because you guys essentially didn't have a choice. You know, you didn't have the hybrid option. You were kind of said uh, you were signing up for uh, island life. So uh, pros and cons. Not everyone loves it. You know, there's no secret that some people might um, have some aspects of Grenada that they wish were different, but uh, I hear an overwhelming positive response to it. And I'm curious to what you guys may feel about moving to Grenada, what's it like being in the community, and uh, how has it helped you as a medical student? I think, uh, oh, you can go. Yeah, uh, I was just going to add, like, I think the, the best thing was, the best thing for me, like, in, in my whole like, academic career was, like, going away from home. Um, it was such a nice way to, like, really learn about myself and like the reason why I study like what are the what are the things that make me encouraged to study and where are the things that make me like like motivated to study and then on the island when I came here you should, like after I isolated everything else um and I just came here and I started focusing on just it was I was a full-time student so down here um I think that was such a big thing for me and like I've, I've fully spent the whole time like my whole time here learning that like Oh, okay, there's a study hall. I can be in that study hall, and it's not just a bunch of other students and different programs. It's like you you'll see other students who are doing like the same stuff as you, the same term as you. You'll pass by someone else's whiteboard, and you'll see that they're doing the same. They just whiteboarded the like that lecture you had that morning, and then you can meet up with them. You can talk with them about it. So I think the sense of community was such a big uh, factor. Because everywhere you go, you just see students in your term and everyone's going through the same thing as you. So it's like that motivation was so crucial to like keeping like to like keep studying for that extra half an hour kind of thing, you know. 
the only thing I would say to that, um, like if you're starting term one, you're coming in is definitely, definitely, definitely don't touch someone's whiteboard. Uh, <laughs> I had, a, yeah, I had, a, I had a terrible experience with that. Uh, I remember like, so on campus you have study halls, you have Belfer, you have the pavilions, which I'm surprised a lot of people, not a lot of people know about those. Uh, and you have like the cubicles, you have like the, the tables where you can sit down and you can grab the whiteboards. And there's a, there's a ton of whiteboards, but for whatever reason, man, I, I, I don't know, I, don't, I would never understand this. People will take the tables and they'll create their own cubicle with whiteboards. I remember one time I was up there and there was like two students and instead of forming a four wall whiteboard cubicle, they formed an octagon with the whiteboards. They had like eight whiteboards i don't know if that's how many sides there are on octagon this is terrible oh my god but they created they literally took like oh, yeah, whiteboards and they, cre- <laughs> they created an octagon yeah. and i'm like dude there's no way you're using all those whiteboards so i went up to them I'm like hey can i have a whiteboard and they're like we're using them and i'm like wow okay so <laughs> i went and i started walking around i'm like hey can i have a whiteboard can i have a whiteboard they're like no we're using them and then i got i got so frustrated i mean look i'm hispanic from jersey i get a little hot-headed i was like listen sorry to interrupt all of you but is there someone who is not using a whiteboard? Because I need one. And finally, someone gave me two whiteboards. I was like, okay, great. I just needed one. Um, but with like our technology nowadays, what I would do sometimes is, you know, I'll walk around and I'll see some whiteboards that are just beautifully drawn. I'm like, dude, this is extremely helpful. They even have mnemonics on here. I'll take my iPad and I'll take a picture of it. And then on my iPad, I'll enhance it. And now I don't need to go back to your whiteboard. I can just, you know, look at it on my iPad and I have easy access to it all the time. It's great. But definitely don't steal someone's whiteboard. You know, you you may you may get crucified for it. Like there was a there was one morning where I got there super early. I went to Taylor. Uh, it was a Saturday morning. I got there like at six thirty in the morning, and you know all the whiteboards were untouched. And there was one whiteboard that said "Don't erase," and they put the date, but the date was like a week ago. And I was like, okay, so I can erase this. So I took the whiteboard, I erased it, I started using it, and then a couple of students came in and they saw that I took their whiteboard, bro. The way they looked at me, I thought that was it. I would needed to call my mom and be like, Yo, I'm, I might die. <laughs> I might die today. <laughs> Someone might crucify me for stealing their whiteboard. Uh, yeah, so definitely, like, if you're starting term one, I guess it's an unwritten rule. Respect the whiteboards. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, it's like an observe but don't touch kind of rule. Like, feel free to observe, but don't, don't touch. Don't touch it. Don't take it. Don't steal it. Don't erase it. Uh, I, and I never thought that I would really enjoy using whiteboards until uh, I was in, uh, I guess, yeah, term three. I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. I guess I'll be the antagonist to campus life. I didn't. I don't really enjoy campus life too much. Not, not that I don't enjoy the island. I love the island. I've gotten used to eating the same food every day. Um, I love the friends that I met. Um, but for me, it's just more of like the efficiency in studying. Like when I was online during MS1, you know, waking up in the morning, watching the lectures that were recorded. I was done post-reading by like 1 p.m., 2 p.m. the latest. And then I would have the rest of the day to just kind of master the content. But then when you're on campus, you have to walk to lecture. You have to get coffee with your friends. You have to get lunch with your friends. You have to go to the gym. You have to do all these things. And it, it, next thing you know, it adds up. It takes a lot of your time away. Um, and I struggled with that a little bit in term four. I'm like, dude, why is it taking me forever? to post-read one or two lectures. I'm like, okay, that's because I spent two hours drinking coffee with my friends. Uh, so obviously you guys being home during, during undergrad or graduate school and having that routine of commuting to campus and all that stuff. When you guys came to the island for the first time, 
and you know you you got into the thick of it where you were already in your routine and you were studying did you struggle to get work done because of the island life or was it easy for you to kind of compartmentalize your your social life where okay maybe i don't need to go to brew <laughs> this weekend i can you know stay and study like was it was it challenging because i know that there's 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 different cultures on the island you know like and i always tell i use this analogy and where it's like there's some students who go to medical school and there's some students who want to be doctors now um, if you let that sink in for a little bit you can elaborate a lot on it in terms of what i mean when i say that where like do you want to evolve and be a really really good doctor you know like are you able to compartmentalize your social life or are you just a social butterfly where like okay you know what you're going to put studying off to the side and you're going to start you know going out on the weekends because you think you deserve it um so was it challenging for you guys when you guys came to the island to kind of like focus on studying or was the social aspect of it too challenging um, I don't think the social life interfered with at least me. I think it was really important to be social and to, you know, to dance a little bit and go out. And there's nothing wrong with going out every weekend and you can still be a great doctor because of that. Um, I don't think those two things are correlated to being good or just going to medical school and then first being a good doctor. I love how easy it was to wind down, especially having a beach on campus was really helpful after a long day of studying, being able to just sit there and watch and listen to the ocean is super nice. And to be able to also do that with your friends constantly after a big exam, my favorite thing ever is to go to the beach with everyone in your term. Such a core memory being on the island. Yeah, I think the only time it becomes an issue um, is when like I remember during term three, so in term three, you have two exams. And after our first exam, uh, my friends and I, and the reason why we're, we're good friends is because we hold each other accountable where right when an exam is over, we're tired, we're exhausted, but we still take time to socialize and go out. We'll, we'll go to the beach, we'll spend the whole day at the beach and we'll take the next day off and we'll hang out. But then we're back to it. We go back to 100. And doing that or falling into that pattern where after an exam, you or when you start a module, you go right back up to 100 and you're studying every day, you're grinding, you're grinding, you're grinding. You, you can afford maybe slightly and take this super subjectively is you can afford to tone it down to like a 70 or an 80 where you don't have to be at a constant 100 throughout the whole block because then you're going to get you're going to get burnt, especially when they start adding these additional exams. Like I know in MS1, you guys have your lab exams. And a lot of us put that off to the very end where we start studying for it, maybe like a few days before. It's only going to get worse. Like in MS2, in term four, um, I remember we had our RHS exam. And the issue with term four is that as soon as you're done with term three, you get like four or five days off. And a lot of us go home. I went home for those days. You go back and then you're right back into term four. And you you start to get tired, you know, like towards the end of term four, you right after our RHS exam, it's, it was our uh, respiratory and hematology and oncology block. Right after that block, uh, we had a physical exam assessment, literally like five days later, where they expected us to just kind of know the physical exams cold, where they're going to give us a patient and they're going to give us a scenario. We just have to do the physical exam. And right after that, we had to start studying for our last block, which was DERS, which is digestive, uh, endocrine, and reproductive systems. And it was just a lot. It was really overwhelming. 
And on top of that, we had to do the OSCE, where we had to do two patient encounters. And all this stuff just becomes really, really overwhelming. So uh, like socializing definitely is something important to do, especially when you're doing it the right way. I just think that sometimes some students kind of like fall into the trap a little too much where they're taking too much of a break. Because I remember in term three, right after our first exam, uh, a, a lot of my cohort were still going out for like two weeks, I think it was, where I just remember seeing the group chats like, oh, we're doing a beach day, we're doing a boat day, we're doing this, we're doing that. And it's like, don't forget, you know, you still have to study for this exam, you know? And people say that term four is the hardest, but in my opinion, I think term three is the hardest because you have two exams, you can't, you can't afford to drop the ball. Um, so like definitely, definitely take it with a grain of salt when it comes to like, socializing on the island because it's you're right you're absolutely right like having the ability to be with your friends and study and then go out and enjoy a beer or a drink or a glass of water or some or a meal or go to the beaches it's super super nice and it's definitely good for your mental health um but and too much of anything can obviously harm you so we're going to ask you guys just one last question before we close out this amazing episode on term one here so now that you guys have you know came fresh off the term one experience, what advice do you have for a term one student or a prospective SGU student who's looking to start with us? I think it's important to uh, utilize your resources and kind of keep a level head and know when you need to take a break. It's really important to, uh, you know, break up your studying, break up your days, know that it's okay to take care of yourself. Uh, just a plug for uh, psych services here on campus is awesome. I've used them. Um, even just for daily stuff. So I think it's important to, as much as we all want to succeed and do well on every exam, you know, we need that time and you need to decompress. So uh, that's my advice is to just take care of yourselves and take your breaks. Nice plug for psych services. Well done. <laughs> You're an amazing resource. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't find my therapist till term two. The best advice I could give to term one, I know that we talked about we could get away with socializing. But... It's super important to find your group here because your friends will help you get through medical school. I really believe that medical school is not meant to be done by yourself. I truly, all my success last term had to be with, had to do with everyone that I've surrounded myself with. So take the time to get to know people on your floor or your small group, reach out to people because your friends are your lifeline here. Yeah, I think like great way to put it, Haley. I think that's uh, I think something I learned a lot from term one was like always be willing to say hi, even if you're not even if you're not like in the mood, you just came out of lecture and you're tired and you're drained. Like, don't be scared. Just always like have a smile on your face. Say hi to people because the people you meet in term one and the people that you'll find yourself studying with are if even if they aren't going to be the people that directly help you, they're going to be the people that motivate you even indirectly. So I guess find the right people. And then ultimately, uh, number two, what I realized a lot was you're going to learn a lot about yourself and that what your strengths are when it comes to studying. So if you prefer to use a certain resource when it comes to studying and you found that no, not many other people use it, but it works for you, stick to it and don't be worried about, oh, am I doing the wrong thing? Because if it works, then it works. Then don't be scared to stick to it. So like, don't be scared to learn about yourself because you're going to learn a lot about your strengths and your weaknesses. So you're going to adapt a lot more. Nicely put. Yeah, thank you guys for... All the helpful information and advice. This was uh, great, and I hope that all the listeners who are starting SGU can get 
really good insight into term one and what to expect coming in. I agree with all of you. Uh, definitely find your group of friends that you see yourself studying with for the rest of the years. And hey, you might meet some friends and then you might drop some friends, but that's just part of life, right? You you meet people and then some people are just meant to stay. Some people are meant to leave, but uh, that's just that's just medical school in a nutshell. Um, but yeah, so again, you know, I'm in term five. Quen is studying for step right now. So I guess no, we're in limbo. Yeah, I guess you can call it the basic sciences uh, seniors or whatnot. But uh, if you guys have any questions or need any help or any advice, you know, definitely reach out to us. Uh, since I am the current president of IA, yeah, yep. yeah. Since I, since I am the current <laughs> president of IA, I have a lot of things planned uh, for. Uh, so Amboss is going to come to campus on uh, February twenty third and twenty fourth, and um, IA is working with Amboss to help them out with the events. And they're going to get no way. group discounted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I reached out. Yeah, I reached out to Amboss. And um, they're going to do uh, February 23rd. They're going to do a MS1 uh, event. And they're going to talk about... So now that you guys in term two, you guys can go and you can, uh, I guess, discuss with them all the resources that they have. And they're going to offer a group discount. And then on the, tw- on the 24th, they're going to do an MS2 event where it's going to be more step one focused. Um, so with IA, we have a lot of things planned. I, I won't give out all of it but pretty soon once i'm on campus i'm not there yet i think i'll be there next week uh we'll get the ball rolling on that stuff so you guys have my contact info you're more than welcome to reach out um i'll help you out with anything that you need and of course quinn is also here for for any advice but i wish you guys the best of luck and good luck with term two and i guess there's good things to look forward to bye thanks for having us yeah bye thanks for coming on guys Thank you. Yeah, of course. All right, so that's a wrap on episode six, term one at SGU. Thank you for tuning in and look forward to the next Our IA podcast.